wonderful to be together this morning, and I love recently seeing so many new faces. Um, I feel that in a good way, there's many of you in this room I don't know at all, which is so exciting. Um, and so I, just as an introduction, my name is Jake. I'm one of the assistant pastors here, and I oversee the worship ministry as well as the college and evangelism ministry. So uh, it's an honor to get to share with you this morning what God has put on my heart. <clears throat> our daughter, Brian and I, our daughter Sophie, her pediatrician, told us recently that kids born in the pandemic, which she was, she was, she was born two days after um, the governor of California put us on lockdown, and so she is definitely uh, a pandemic baby. Um, our pediatrician told us that pandemic babies um, in their early years, have, they, doctors have seen that they're sick about 50% of their life uh, because their immune system is really catching up, having started their lives in, in isolation. And so this has certainly been true for our family for Sophie's down at Cliff Drive, our daycare. So every germ that rolls through that place comes right into our home. So we, have fe we feel like we have just been sick over and over again. And I know a lot of you are in that same boat um, this season. There's lots of sickness going around. Um, others of us, others of us have ailments, bodily ailments, beyond just a, a, a cold or a sickness, um, an ailment that we struggle with indefinitely or for a long period of time that keep us um, coming to doctors regularly or on medication. Still other of us, others of us, many of us, see counselors and therapists for traumas and, and ongoing mental struggles. And so my point in saying all this is that unwellness, unwellness seems to be a reality of life, a reality of our humanness, unwellness of the body, of the mind, of the spirit. So in light of this, in light of this, I want to bring to our attention today that this human reality is one aspect of why we gather as a church, why we are gathered here today in the name of Jesus. We've just finished a really powerful series on the book of First Peter. Pastor Colleen and a few others have taken us through that letter from Peter to the early church. And uh, the theme that the pastors early on decided in that series was perseverance and faith. So last week, we concluded that really powerful series. And in two weeks from now, we'll be starting a new series from the Old Testament. But so we have these two weeks in between these series. And I wanted to use this week to take a moment to highlight one of the reasons that we are here, why we are all here this morning and why we do church, why we are a part of church or why we would attend this place on a Sunday. 
Because there are a whole many reasons. There are a whole number of reasons and motives for why you might have chosen to come this morning. Many have come thirsty to learn and to contribute to God's kingdom. Others perhaps have come to a good and uh, healthy weekly routine, come because it's part of their routine. Others perhaps have come to please a family member or a significant other. Perhaps you've been invited today by a friend or a coworker. Perhaps you've been coming for some time, but you're not really sure what keeps you coming back, but, but you come. Others may just come for good, friendly community. All of these are valid reasons to come, but whatever the reason, allow these words from the Gospel of Luke, which we're going to study today, to provide you with another reason for being here among this gathering in Jesus' name. So follow along with me as I read from Luke 6. Nope. Hmm, there it is. Let me make sure I've got these buttons right. Is that the right way? There we go. Got it. Okay. There's two buttons on here. One's forward, one's back. Got to remember which one's which. Okay. So this is Luke 6, 12 through 19. And the first half of this, we're going to read for some helpful context. But the second half is what we will focus on. So Luke 6, 12 through 19. Now during those days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and he spent the night in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose 12 of them, whom he also named apostles, Simon, who he named Peter, and his brother Andrew, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew. And Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus. You'll have to take my word on that bottom line. (laughs) James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot. And Judas, son of James. And Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. He came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And everyone in the crowd was trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed all of them. I find this scene from Luke's account of Jesus' ministry beautiful in its simplicity. It's very simple. So imagine it with me for a moment. The author describes four different parties here. One is Jesus. He came. Then there is his 12, 
that he had chosen, as we saw, for, for specifically walking with him to do ministry. But then there are all of his disciples, a great crowd of his disciples. And then there's a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. So although these four parties are described here, there's no hierarchy, there's no in or out, there's no lines drawn, and even there's a blur of distinction between these groups. First, consider the word disciples. When we hear of Jesus' disciples, often we think of the 12. But no, in this passage, it's, it's very clear that Jesus' disciples were a great many of people who followed him. His disciples were a crowd in themselves. And then next, consider that there is a great number of people. And so the disciples were all mixed in with this great multitude, this throng of people that had come from all over these various regions. And so today... I want us to, and, and, and actually, before I move on, think about the demographic of these people. What's the demographic described here? No, no description, no demographic. These are just people. There's no specific thing that makes these people this, uh, part of this crowd today that Luke is describing. So today, I want us to consider that this is a picture of the church and how the church engages with the world. So take our own church as an example for today. Often, I'm asked the size of Free Methodist, a friend from out of town or a different church, oh, what, how, how big is Free Methodist? This is a question I always struggle with because, of course, there's, there's, the people that come on a given Sunday in this room, this service, next service, there's maybe will be about 200 people today. So are we, are we a church of 200? But then, but then when you think of our, our greater church, there are many that consider themselves a part of our church, whether or not they come each week. Uh, there's about 700 signed up for our email newsletter there's, there's many in our community and, and beyond, our, beyond our Santa Barbara community that consider Free Methodist their church. And then I think even further to, to friends and family members, maybe those who only come on a Christmas Eve or an Easter, or, or maybe, they, maybe they're, they don't, they're not even a Christian at all, but they say, oh yeah, Free Methodist, that's my place on, on Christmas Eve. By extension, they, they feel like they're a part of our church. And so d- consider for a moment that this is what this picture, this is this phenomenon that Luke is describing. And that likewise, while there are, while there are pastors and lay leaders and board members and Bible study leaders, spiritual leaders, church members who have taken the membership class, servants, people who serve in, in some way, family members, friends, friends of friends. 
We are a crowd. Free Methodist Church is an indistinct, undefined crowd of our community who, who comes to engage with Jesus here at this church. Where there is a healthy and Holy Spirit-filled gathering in the name of Jesus, there is an indistinct crowd who is in interaction with the only distinct one who is at the center, Jesus. Luke includes a detail in this passage that Jesus came down from the mountain to a level place. This detail would be one easily overlooked, but the gospels are so concise, really, they move so fast, they're so concise that details are important. Details like this, the gospel authors and editors had to have included them for a reason. So it's good to pay close attention to them, even though they seem random at times. So it is this level place, this detail that I think shows the compassionate Jesus who stands on a level place. He comes down from a mountain stands on a level place to be accessible to this throng of people in need, these people who are clearly unwell. Another beauty of this scene that stands out to me is the ambiguous sense of the crowds receiving and administering of the power that Jesus is offering. This is what I mean. While the source of this power, while the source of this power is clearly from Jesus himself, think of his disciples that he's chosen. They've come down the mountain with him. Perhaps they too are facing this crowd, yet they're also a part of the crowd. And think of this mass of people pressing in on Jesus, trying to touch him. Only in, when we think of this scene, when we imagine it, only a handful of people could have actually touched Jesus, made that physical contact with him. Yet the author describes a power coming out of him and healing them all. Amazing. So this infers that in this moment, the power of Jesus, the one at the center, by his physical touch, was passed on through the entire crowd. This means that those standing at the back, the back of the crowd, were no further in distance from the power of Jesus than those who were up front standing face to face to him, touching him. He healed them all. Those in the very back were at no greater distance from his power. Perhaps some of us today identify with the people in this story who are at the back. Maybe you've, you've come, and, but you feel like you're at the back of this gathering. Perhaps you feel like you have little hope of, of truly receiving anything this morning in being here. But listen, 
There's no distance. There's no distance between you and the healing power of Jesus. All you have to do is to press in and reach out to receive his power. So returning for a moment to this idea of receiving and administering, how true is this of our human nature? That if we are at the receiving end of someone's road rage or disrespect or sarcasm, how easy is it for us in our woundedness to give a cutting comment to the next person we see? It's so easy to do. Likewise, if we are shown grace or forgiveness or an act of kindness, like Carol and Mary, I love that story, Carol, thank you. How much more are we inspired to then go and show that to someone else, even the next person we see? If you receive that forgiveness, say, from a boss or a friend or a stranger, how much more likely are you to go and pass that on? So imagine that when we meet here together, when we gather together in the name of Jesus to worship him, to meet with him, imagine that through him receiving God's grace, receiving God's forgiveness, our Father's tenderness, His wisdom, and His healing, how much more are we filled to extend that to others as we go and leave this place? So what exactly in this story is this power from Jesus? And why were all these folks from all these regions, why were they coming to see Him in the first place? There's another important detail that we shouldn't overlook. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Mysteriously, at the center of this story about this mass healing, there is Jesus' words, his teaching, his wisdom. Much of Jesus' ministry was a teaching ministry, teaching with wisdom and with authority, yet simplicity, using parables about farming and, and building and, and other simple stories to help people see the kingdom of heaven. Well, these ancient Jewish people had an understanding of the kingdom of God, Yet they were captivated by this, these messages that Jesus brought. They were desiring a, a healing of the body, yes, but also a healing of the mind, a healing of an understanding of who God is. Clearly, these people were thirsty to learn from Jesus, needing a healing of their own understanding of God, a healing of their own understanding of the kingdom of God. The Old Testament wisdom literature of Proverbs is full of both themes of wisdom and of healing. 
and they're often connected in the book. And one, one example is on the front of your bulletin, and I'll put it up here as well. It says, my child, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to your flesh. Healing to, and healing to all their flesh. Sorry, that's an important, all their flesh. Here it is literally, in Proverbs, it's literally God's words. These words of wisdom, which are the source of healing. And so this crowd in our story today seems to have recognized that this rabbi from Nazareth is, has these words flowing from him about the kingdom of heaven that will surely bring healing to the mind and to the soul, healing to a perhaps distorted view of the kingdom of God, distorted views of heavenly truths. But not only this, so that is one aspect of the healing power that Jesus brings, but also physical healing, healing of their diseases, bodily healing, and even further than this, a spiritual healing. For it says, those who were filled, I'm sorry, those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. This miraculous healing came from the body of Jesus and it says, healed them all. So this entire crowd at a level place with Jesus at the center, accompanied by his disciples, healed of their physical diseases and unclean spirits and broken perspectives of God's kingdom. All of them from the front to the back and everyone in between. Paul teaches that the church is the body of Christ. One of these teachings comes from 1 Corinthians, and that's on your, the front of your bulletin again. But I would like to show you, as you, as you can look at that on your own, I'd like to show you another one from Romans 12, which says, For as in one body we have many members, and not all members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another. Therefore, one of the callings of the church is to be the body of Christ. Perhaps you've heard, if you've, if you've walked with Jesus for a long time, you've heard that. The church is the body of Christ. If you're new to faith or if you're just coming to know Jesus for the first time, the church is often referred to as the body of Christ. And this is why, from Paul's teaching, that the church is called to be his body on earth. And so, therefore, if this is one of our callings to be the body of Christ, then the church is a place of healing. This gathering, this gathering when we're gathered together, not just on Sundays, but when we gather together in any form or capacity as a church, we are a source of healing, 
of Christ's healing power. Healing that is spiritual, mental, physical. But so how is this call activated as we are Christ's body? These are a few ways that I thought of this week. And you'll notice that our service, our Sunday service, is structured in this way for this very reason. So first of all, in fellowship. We are the body of Christ through our fellowship with one another, out on the deck as we, as we chat with one another, as we see each other around town throughout the week. Jesus says in the book of Matthew, for where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. So by our fellowship this morning, his promise is that he is among us. Jesus himself is among us. And so there is healing. In worship, we experience intimacy with the triune God. We worship Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And through song, we proclaim words of truth. And it's healing. Just like in, in Proverbs, the words of Scripture literally have the power of healing. And so we sing them together. We proclaim them together, and it is healing. We are also the body of Christ in prayer as we lift each other up to Christ, as we together reach out to him and implore him on behalf of one another and on behalf of family members and those outside of our church and, and places on earth, places in the world. In teaching, in the teaching, we are the body of Christ. For from the living word of God, the Holy Spirit, we allow the Holy Spirit to stir in our hearts and minds using the teaching of scripture. In the sacraments, like communion, we, communion, we, we commune with Christ and receive his sacrifice. In service and justice, we are his hands and feet out in the community, out in the world. And we do all of these things, all of these actions on a level place as disciples of Christ. Not obstructing others, but standing helpfully in the gaps, standing among this throng of people hoping to bring others in closer to him as we grow close to him. This week, I read from a, a book from my uh, pastoral counseling class in seminary. I read a book uh, by David Benner, and he says this, preaching, teaching, and worship are all particularly vital soul care activities. Anything that brings people closer into contact with God matures growth in their spirits and heals their souls. That's beautiful. So what are we a part of this morning? If you're here for the first time, welcome. We welcome you. We're so glad you're here. What have you walked in on? What is this that we do each Sunday? We are 
the body of Christ and the crowd that surrounds him on this level place. And when we press in or reach out to Jesus, we are a part of his healing ministry. We're both recipients of that healing that we need constantly through our lives and administrators of that healing to others in our community, others that we know. So as the musicians come back up on stage, I encourage you to spend the next few moments with God and ask him what you've brought today that may need healing. In the quietness, ask him what you bring with you today that, that he wants to have compassion on, that he would like to heal in mind, spirit, body. Ask him. And then lean in as we respond together, as we sing, as we pray. As we pray, I, I invite you to lean in to this crowd, to reach out and touch Jesus, the living Jesus, to receive the power that he offers us today. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.